The Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Hello listener, and welcome to The Big Red Couch. Here in the lands of ice and cold and breath freezing in the air, I'm Craig, and coming to us live from the Avery at Auckland Zoo... Yes, enough of your land beyond the wall shit, thank you. We are technically still south of the wall, assuming the wall <laughs> is Hadrian's Wall. Yes, assuming that. Hey, it's Ben. Yeah, um, Happy New Year, Craig. And listeners, too. Yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope your hangovers have faded away by now. I, mean, I really do, because I'm just looking at like the recording date versus yeah, when this episode actually drops, and... If they haven't, what the hell were you drinking? See and where can I get some? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, to kick off this glorious new year of 2000... Oh, fuck, I have to, I have to write that. <laughs> it's 2019, don't I? What have we, yeah. got, what have we got for our um, glorious listeners? Well, the prompt for episode 118 comes to us from the, the fertile brain of Kedamono and reads The Winter of Our Discotheque. Dreadful puns. Right up our alley. Indeed. And relatively fertile ground, I found, for um, wacky ideas. So that tells you a lot about how my brain works, sadly. I did go and look up the word discotheque, not to understand what it meant, because I already had a pretty solid idea, but more looking at where it came from, in the hope that they would tell me something useful. And uh, weirdly, it did. So so that was that was quite handy. It's nothing like a French portmanteau, so... Any portmanteau in a storm. Indeed, indeed. That's uh, definitely a classic. We should stop this now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, what? I did. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> wow, that worked even better than expected. <laughs> so, so, how should we do this? Well, actually, we, we have a thing from Taz for Say Le Noir that we could do now and then spend the rest of the episode doing Winter of a Discotheque. Sure, let's do that. Just to mix it up a bit. All right, so Taz writes in with an idea for the previous episode, Sailor Noir, which which reads, Here's a quick one. Your standard magical girl game, but the general theme is books. The PCs are librarians and patrons, and they transform into Sailor Noir, Sailor Romance, Sailor Sci-Fi, Sailor Fantasy, etc. The villains are all manifestations of literary bad guys and monsters. Of course, the city has a sprawling metro library system, so the action can happen anywhere in the city where people work. Perhaps they all have intralibrary loan powers and can teleport from one library branch to the next. If you must have the goofy mascot animal, I'd go with an owl by the name of Loner. You can play with a lot of library terminology, check in and out your powers, renew them, get your loaning powers suspended, pay overdue fines. There's a need to be quiet during combat, so a lot of battle whispering. Maybe all of the magical powers are described as book title. And then a comment of, ah crap, I might as well place this on my New Year's resolution list as a game hack playset to create. Yes, yes you should. Thank you, hmm. Todd, for coming up with something that's better than our actual show. I'm... I I like to think that's what the um the, the, the listeners bring to the table. Content. Uh, right, right, right. We are the grit <laughs> that becomes the pearl but not through any qualities of our own. Excellent. I, I like that metaphor. That's brilliant. Big red couch. We are that foreign irritation. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. That's practically my job description. <laughs> right. At least part of your CV. I would... Yeah, I, 
you probably couldn't stop me from making Sailor large print. And just wow, shout- that's way better than where I went with it. <laughs> and just shouting everything. <laughs> so much better than where I, where I went with it. <laughs> Sailor dodgy smut, written by, uh, read by 80-year-old. Sailor restricted access, yes. Indeed. <laughs> I don't know, I've been, I've been dipping my toes back into the library system, and they have a pretty good range of graphic novels these days. Lots of classics, lots of modern stuff. Like the second volume of everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's just just the second volume, which can be confusing if people don't um, like enumerate the spines correctly. Yeah, they have things like Crossed and and like just terrible stuff. And next to the kids section, kinda at least in the uh, the local one in Takapuna, it was like ah, that's a uh, that's a choice. I mean, kudos, but. <laughs> <laughs> Wellington Central Library had um, a large amount of The Walking Dead, and that's where I, I basically read up till the point that I decided I was not interested in reading anymore yeah. at the Wellington Library while waiting to get taxis to the airport. Yeah, no, the, most of the entirety of The Walking Dead was there as well. I could call. There's, mm. there's, there's other stuff that, um, yeah. I might have just put those on slightly higher shelves, that's all. I mean, yeah. anyone who go, who, who, who's interested in this stuff could, should be able to check it out. Absolutely. Just, I wouldn't want people exposed to some graphic novels by accident. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, I like this idea. The, the I kind of like the idea of like the stress from fate and so forth taking the form of overdue fines that you have to... Okay. You have to like return, or the the the, the idea of borrowing powers and so forth, and then, of course the attacks being uh, literary references, just very appropriate. That yeah, I mean my brain keeps trying annoyingly to fit this into the read or die anime. Uh, yep, no, and I my... say annoyingly because it, it they're only tangentially related. This is a completely different and very cool idea. Yeah, it, it has a similar sort of gumption to it, though. It has a different sort of uh, ideas in common. That you know, rather resurrected historical figures wielding anime versions of their um, of their inventions slash discoveries. It, and yeah, real dice. But uh, I'm not sure about the um, the series, but the the OVA is uh, mm. absolutely worth checking out. I'd also mention the um, uh, Libriomancer series. Mm-hmm. Mostly for the, the powers and book thing, though that has more to do with effectively people people being able to reach into books and take stuff out. Mm. Which, if you get a bit creative, can be quite interesting. I think I think the angle of the themes and concept or the, the, the notions about books and libraries it probably it would be more fruitful here, rather than True. arbitrarily pulling um, oh, pop yeah. culture references out of a out of the bag. Hauling a lightsaber out of a um, a, a hardback copy of uh, the Star Wars novelization is well and good, but not really what we're going for. Mm. No. Um, I do like the idea of the library into loan. Yes. Because it's, it's kind of reboot for books, but I don't think it's a bad thing. No, because reboot was awesome. Or at least our generation have convinced ourselves it was awesome and never going back on Never. I do... <laughs> So you're telling me not to go back and rewatch it? Uh, nah, it's cool. Certainly for something that was made in that era, it was pretty damn cool. But 
Mm. Might not be everything that you remember it being. I may be re- remembering it with much better resolution. That's possible. Yes, um, mm. nostalgia is in 1080p. It's well known. Yeah. Cool. All right. So yes, cool. Retroactively improving our previous e- episode. <laughs> we salute you. <laughs> also, I love the idea of battle whispering. The idea oh. of a a pitched battle occurring between the various sailors and some villain who also has some respect for the library system. So you've got a pitched deadly battle occurring while the library is open, but only in places where nobody can see it. Or at least that it's occurring in the the, the nominal L space that exists in all libraries, but you can't overdo stuff or else you get shushed. And shushing is a mechanic. Shushing should totally be a mechanic. Shush, in fact, it's not just a it's not just a game mechanic. It is a lore of the of your part of the world. So you can't be too extra, or you get shushed. That's starting to feel a bit like the librarians from Night Vale. <laughs> yep, <laughs> love it, love it. Cool. Yeah, that's got more potential than than this show deserves. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, well done. Alrighty, so. Ooh, and and you can make it, it sound like it's educational. Thumbs up. Nice. Nice, yes. <laughs> a thin veneer of respectability. Like it, like that, it. That is all we can hope for. Also, I noticed that a cat has joined you in the aviary, which that seems like it's going to be a problem long term for at least some of the residents. <laughs> yeah, she's very old and very disinterested in effort in any form, so... Also, she has very short legs. That is a disadvantage in general. Mm. But makes up for it with a very big voice. So, yeah, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> so, what do we have for this week's notion? Well, I, I've got a, an, an urban fantasy idea. Me too. I see. Well, that could be a thing. Um, <laughs> I could flip a coin. Uh, no, look, go for it, and I'll, and I will, I'll just scream wounded horribly if you, um, if we've, for some reason, come up with the same idea after knowing each other for at least two decades and hundred podcast episodes, because that wouldn't happen, would it? No, no, perish the thought. Also, I think it's longer than, definitely longer than two decades. Shut up. <laughs> okay. So noted. All right. All right. So yes, I, I went and looked up basically the history of. The term discotheque, which is a roundabout way of saying, so I went to Wikipedia. Yes. The strong linkage, at least in the early parts of the previous century, between discotheques and subversive or at least underground places. So mm-hmm. the the speak you know, speakeasies during the US Prohibition basement clubs playing the band jazz and bebop and swing music during World War Two in occupied France. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and within Germany, the sort of anti-Nazi um, youth discotheques patronised by the swing kids into swing. French discotheques being patronised by the anti-Vichy government um, youth also being patronised and this is kind of where the urban fantasy bit started to get into my mind, by basically youth... I'm not sure if movement is quite the right word, so much as just... Well, movement in the same way that, say, goth is a movement. A sort of dress style, and has a certain anti-authoritarianism. An aesthetic slash 
Yeah, aesthetic. Oh, the, so, the, yes, the, the, the French Zazous, who wore very, very unusual clothing of the times. Flamboyantly large clothing. Mm-hmm. All of which puts me in mind, and plus when you chuck in the word winter, puts me in mind of the White Wolf game Changeling mm. with fairies, and basically a lot of urban fantasy that includes some variant of fairies or elves. You'll often have the summer and winter courts going on. Yep, absolutely. I was literally going to suggest Dresden Files in the 70s just to be far less historically minded about <laughs> indeed so i looked at those and didn't want to just do okay so it's dress and files because well that game already exists you can go out and buy it mm. we did a review of one of the um uh one of the the books at one point kind of old hat um so mm. what i came up with was was this that you've got it's a, it's a bit of a, tw- a, a a slight twist on the summer and winter court thing um where you've got the summer and winter courts of of a city or area sharing one location. This underground discotheque venue that basically caters to whoever finds it. And the the summer and winter thing is less the season, so leadership of the place doesn't pass with sort of strict summer and winter season. It's more with the the mood, the zeitgeist of the land. So when things are going well and the 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 mood of of the place is of growth and life then the summer court rules and the venue reflects that and then when times are dark and life is hard the winter court rules and the venue reflects that too interesting and as opposed to the courts i'm getting more of a feeling that it's more of a mode thing that the the while instead of them being particular personalities who are on one side of the, the, the seasonal separation or the other, they kind of shift, they kind of morph between these things, and it's sort of like a like an axial flip kind of thing as far as this the spiritual world goes. I I hadn't actually thought of that option, but it's quite a good one. I hmm. I was thinking of it as you know, there are definitely summer and winter aligned people, sort of fairies, whatever, within yeah. Within the discotheque, there's no particular... There isn't a huge animosity between the two. You know, it's not a case of summer is ruling, therefore winter is scrubbing the grease traps. It's just more of, yeah, this is this is a summer place at the moment. Both sides kind of have their purpose. That, no, that's, that's, that's kind of a... Yeah, that's kind of a sort of ambiance kind of... Feeling to it, and the the idea that they're they're not they're being a summer winter court, but them actually being the same group doesn't um, rule out the fact that um, different individuals are suited differently to the different seasons. That's true. So, yeah. So they might have they might exchange roles, and there's certainly horrible, vicious, backbiting rivalries and, and the like because it's the fame. But they're not they're not two camps. They are the same camp that kind of. Um, sort of flips through different, a different polarity, and from you, you've probably got a specific time. But my uh, coming off, you know, the thing I mentioned about Dresden Files very, very briefly. My idea would be maybe the the often because the your counterculture has a different is like a pole as a polar opposite, opposite to the world, or it's a reaction to what's going on in the world. The idea of going from like disco to punk mm. would be AA would be one of those those inversions, and it being disco being very much the, this this kind of flowering of a, a 
of minority voices and being a a very celebratory kind of like name a sad disco song competition. Mm. They they really don't feature very much. But then going into something like dark and angry, which is again a reaction to you know the, the circumstances of the world and even a reaction to things that have come before. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. And it's just kind of the the cycle of culture, especially youth culture, because you know. Within five years, the the bright young things are not quite as bright and young, and the the, the, the kids that are coming through are going like, "Who are you? Who are you guys? Mm. What are you doing? I'm going to stick a safety pin through my nose." Indeed. <laughs> where, where would where were you going to put that divide? I wasn't sure, and I've got sort of I've got the setup for it, mm. which is basically that we yeah the, the game would start. After an extended period of good time. So it's it's a bit Game of Thrones as well, that there has been an entire generation who have never known a winter court in primacy. That the, right. the ranks of the, the summer aligned have grown, the, the winter has shrunk to a mere handful. Mm. But now things are changing, and the mood is shifting, and everybody, including the venue, can feel that it's a winter court now. Yeah, And it's a winter court with very few members with no leader, with no experienced, and they're faced with this challenge of bringing everybody through this coming winter, even though they have no idea what they're doing, and nobody really knows why things are changing. Right. So that, that people were so accl- acclimatized to, the, to the, 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 the summer court, and even if they had like naturally had roles in both, they just haven't done them in such a long time. And yeah. So they're just not prepared for it. Or, as you say, it's like, you know, we're the person who's been the bouncer for for as long as they can remember, inverted commas, has to become the king. Pretty much, yeah. And if you wanted to go super darkness, you go historical, and it's like, right, you're in Paris, it's 1938. Hmm? But that's, yep. the, that's the super dark version of it. Mm. You could... I mean, you can almost play pick your social movement. I yep. would tend to want to steer away from the more genocidal ones. That's just me, but hopefully it's not just me. You could have... Yeah, sorry, something... Yeah, that part, period of history, there was a there was an underground place where things started... We're going great for a while, then turned to shit, and then the Russians arrived. So, hmm. Mm, that'd, be, that'd be dark. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry, carry on. Um, if you wanted to go with the changeling, sort of lean lean heavily into the White Wolf changeling verse, I mean, the thing that caused a great explosion in their ranks was the sort of explosion of imagination from the moon landings. So linking something in there, if you, you basically do something that's kind of when a, a game that's happening, when the Cold War is starting to kick up, you've kind of had the... You've had World War Two. You've had the, the some dark times. Things have started to recover, but now the world's changing again. Depending on how you wanted to do it, you can have this this court deciding. Well, okay, what we actually need to do is change the entire country's zeitgeist. That's the obvious solution. Hmm. It kind of depends on how big a scope you wanted to go with. But yeah, yeah. for for sort of specific time period. I think the the end of almost any really good golden era will do it. Yeah. So yeah, you could you could go pre-apocalyptic with it. Hmm. Well, yeah, the, the the winter might not be a uh, seasonal one. So. Indeed. 
So you can have, we've got these really good times, and then the mood of the venue and the court starts to shift, but they can't quite see why that's happening in the outside world yet. It would mm-hmm. kind of depend on what game what game you and what game the players wanted to do, and whether you wanted to do a game of something's going wrong in the world and we're going to go out there and stop it using our awesome uh, fey magics, or whether you wanted to do a game of we're going to protect this little area and hold it against um, the forces of old and bad. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of possibility there. Yeah, and of course, none of these, none of the, the cultural movements, you know, despite there being, there, there being a day the dis- that disco died, there are no cultural movements actually just morph seamlessly one into the other. There's always a, an evolution and so forth. and. Mm. Actually, being aware of that or experiencing it or tracking it through history is something that like, people find like, fascinating. So there's got to be a an era at which the um, yeah you pick your era, be respectful about the folks who who lived through it, and find something to uh, to do with that. Mm. I mean, depending on how historical you wanted to go, you can yeah you can go speakeasy. You can even go extremely historical. I mean, I've been I've been reading some um, medieval stuff recently. There is probably some good pickings there. Hmm. And it's also a great deal, e- great deal easier, but also a great deal more risky to do overt magical shit. Yeah. Hmm. Where where would that setup would you have um, have placed it, as it were, in, in the timeline? Um, I probably would have gone for a classic. Yeah, literally, the, the, like the the for that particular type of scenario, I would go for the the death of Disco on the fourth. But the rather than because Disco is one of those um, subculture movements that got picked up and commoditized, and marketed for a while, and then people decided they didn't like it, or maybe they found it threatening, and then it died. Mm. Yeah, and it's like mm, maybe the 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 idea would be that you know keeping at very least the spirit alive and the idea at least because you know because the influences of gay subculture and black culture and music and so forth bedded into disco mm. kind of makes what happened you know, there was a particular event where a um uh, a radio station organized burning disco records uh, like in a baseball field or something it's like that that's not very great <laughs> no, it's, so, it's kind of a dick move right there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, mm. So yeah, that's a, um, that's got a possibility. <laughs> thinking, just sort of thinking of, of, if you sort of reduce the scope slightly, and, and I was just trying to think of sort of examples where the, the mood of a place is changing, but it's not this horrifying disaster, and just thinking of places like, or what, what came to mind initially was, the city of Detroit, mm-hmm. that it was this, this, you know, it was the car place. It was a really prosperous place, and then it just wasn't. Mm. And okay, that actually took quite a while. If you had something somewhere where it happened quicker, like various bits of the UK when coal mining just suddenly went away, and this industry that employed everybody isn't there anymore. Mm. You you could have some fun with that if you wanted to go with a certain um, Ray Bradbury abandoned rusting spaceport vibe because that came up a lot in his. Yeah. Um, you could go a little bit futuristic, 
have this place at the prosperous space city. This is where, where the ships launch from. And then the orbital elevator opens from somewhere else. And the place is just dying. Mm. And nobody is really sure what the hell they can do about it. Maybe the answer is they can't. Maybe the idea is to have that one last big party. Mm. Yeah, depending on how magical you want to go, you have that one last big party, which involves getting everybody so drunk that they wake up in a completely different town where the space elevator is. Yes. Anyway, so so that was my one. Hopefully it didn't mm-hmm. tread too heavily on your idea. Uh, it allowed me to expound on quite nicely. Um, a slightly parallel thing would have been the... Um, Dee made a suggestion regarding the, the original Terminator movie, the fact that and the fact that there was a uh, a disco scene in there, um, in the tech noir disco. Oh a, yeah, which is a callback to a previous episode. It's like yeah, that's a that's a related sort of thing. Maybe it's the um, is that the location where Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese and the Terminator all meet up for the first time? Yes, pretty much. Right. I particularly remember it because one of the companions gets beamed with something, a pistol flies out of their hand, and one of the dancers just catches it mid-dance move and just keeps, looks at it in surprise, keeps on dancing. <laughs> Disco is serious business. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, not, not too sure what precisely that would um, where we'd go with that. It's an interesting one, though. It, I, I, can, I can build a tenuous link, oddly enough, to uh, Apocalypse World. Um, you've got in there, I think it's the, oh, there's the hard holder. It's one of the character types. There's That's also, also I th- the maitre d', yeah. That's the one, the, uh, yeah, and the maitre d'. And yeah, the idea that, um, I mean, Sarah Connor runs into Tech Noir because she's looking for a safe place. Hmm. It turns out, in a certain way she was right because it's where um, Kyle Reese t- follows her to. But um, at the same time, she's also not right because, well, the Terminator got in as well. But, but yeah, the idea of a nightclub, a venue as as a refuge from the scary and threatening outside world, that's got some legs to it. Mm. Yep, I think that's that's principally the reason Matrix exists. That the idea that there is a there are pools of culture and relative plenty, and this person is set up to provide and provide information and services and, and goods, but also is the heart, a, a heart of the a, a, of a community rather than the uh, the muscle. So, yeah, mm. that always puts in. So more Farnham's Freehold than Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. To a degree, yeah. yeah. All right. That is a good, yeah, I've completely forgotten about Tech Noir. <laughs> cool. Which, now that I think on it, did look distressingly like some offices with interesting lighting. Okay, so that was Dee's Dee's suggestion. And in honour of Kitamono's contribution of the topic, um, he's also provided us with a a response. The game is set in the late 80s, and the player characters are folks that either work at or frequent the last discotheque in town, Hawley's Disco Inferno. The owner, Ethan Hawley, is thinking about closing the disco and turning it into an Italian bistro. But that means getting rid of the last place where folks can dance, drink, and make out at. Sure, there are other bars and lounges, but none of them have a 2,000 square feet of dance floor and concert-level sound system. Once the Disco Inferno closes, that's it for folks. And, to be honest, last time a DJ actually played Disco Music in 1978. 
So the PCs are either folks who work at the disco or are customers. They know that Hawley is thinking of closing the place, but he might be convinced to sell it to the PCs if they can come up with his asking price, $2 million. What the PCs don't know is that Hawley is a shadowy crime boss behind the Morello gang. The original boss, Alfio Morello, is now serving eternity in the foundation of a new sports arena, thanks to Hawley's machinations. Nice, nice. Possible Jimmy Hoffa reference. Possible. <laughs> we will never know for sure. Hawley wants to close the disco as it's not laundering money as well as it used to. He wants to turn the massive building into a set of smaller businesses, including a bistro. This would, those would make money laundering easier. And, but if you can dump the failing business to a bunch of suckers, hey, so much for the better. And you know, shit, if you can buy it back cheap later, probably half his work's already done. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this would be a toss-up between Powered by the Apocalypse slash clones. What's the technical term? Um, apocalypse Engine is the one I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So the clone isn't quite right, because no one has tried to go out and make Powered the... Uh, apocalypse world they use the system to make um, home, home built or I, I have heard a comment from um, uh, Vincent Baker along the lines of he is just waiting for the time when somebody breathlessly announces that they have made a hack of some apocalypse engine game to make this really gritty post apocalyptic game and do it completely straight faced with no idea that, powered the, that uh, apocalypse world actually exists he's hoping that it will come full circle it kind of has to, eventually. Yeah, somebody yeah. just we just need somebody to make an apocalyptic hack, a post-apocalyptic hack of Dungeon World. Yeah, and because the people have people have looked at systems and gone, "Hey, I can change this slightly," and there are there are several generations now of hacks removed from Apocalypse World, so we're using mm. the same fundamentals, but to do different things. And I think that is totally what the point was. Yeah, so, well, done. I mean, starting a movement is uh, a little less um, unreliable than, than making a product. So, yeah, but probably more important. Mm. Okay. The PCs can try raising cash uh, by whatever means necessary, or they can discover Hawley's secret, either bring him to justice or blackmail him. Hmm, blackmail crime boss is up there with blackmailing Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a... Much more down to earth than some of our random ideas. Um, Indeed, I don't think there are any elves in this at all. For shame. Um, but yes, that would be an interesting. Trying to come up with the the, the way that you can support and re- revitalize a community resource like that. That's very that's very commendable. Nice, uh, an excellent attitude to have would be. Mm. Depending on how much economic realities. If it was going to be a sort of plucky locals take on the evil businessman kind of feel good story, I mean, maybe there's a maybe there's an opening for that. Maybe there's an opening for somebody making a movement out of a game about plucky po- folks triumphing in, in like a feel good sort of family movie way. Maybe that will be the next wave. Apocalypse World may, may be behind us at that stage. I, what this is unfortunately reminding me of is the movie Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. The what? <laughs> I, I mean, I'd say you people need to get out more, but given that I'm talking about a movie called Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, I think it's safe to say I'm the one who needs to get out more. All I remember is that A, the title characters looked like they came out of the advertisements for the products, and yes. that the adversaries were the 
the uh, cyborgs from Syndicate. That is alarmingly accurate, yes. Yes, they just had long black trench coats and stalked ominously towards their, their, um, their, their targets they were being directed to. Yep, that's the one. You've seen it then. I think it was Don Johnson and Mickey Rourke. That seems right in my mind. My recoiling, feverish mind, yes. The, the Well, the shtick in that one was effectively trying to save a bar. Right. And getting embroiled in all sorts of dodgy shenanigans by dint of the fact that they were trying to save it in fairly criminal ways. Um, the potential for that seem, that seems quite strong here, because you can just imagine, and indeed as a GM, it would be awesome if you could set it up in such a way so that the party with no idea of the links between Hawley's Disco Inferno and the mob just decide to do shady, illegal shit in order to get the two million and end up in the situation where they are potentially stealing two million dollars from Hawley in order to buy his own bar off him. That would be interesting a kind of, yeah, kind of shadow running kind of way. Well, if they figure it out before Hawley does, then they're okay. If it goes the other way around, that's going to be a very awkward conversation. Yes, and involve a cement mixer. Potentially, yes. Yeah. Hey, what are the concrete blocks and manacles for? Oh. <laughs> Well, put this way, n- never anything good. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there is a string of films that I've forgotten about saving the, 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 the town blah. Um, I guess Goonies, I'm, I'm thinking of the slightly more, you know, extravagant one, Goonies and so forth. Goonies was saving the Goondocks. I think there was an Elvira movie. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, that had that in it as part of a plot line. It's a, it's a fairly simple plot point, but generally it's an excuse for shenanigans. It's yeah. Especially something like the Goonies. There's not sort of like where there are probably, there are films where people sit down and they think carefully about, um, I mean, Joe's Apartment was kind of about that, wasn't it? Except it had, you know, it had singing cockroaches. It's, it's used as the foundation for Totally, it's like the worthwhile thing that you do. Totally weird stuff to accomplish. Mm. I'm sure there's much more low key stuff where people actually organise committees and, and do working bees and cake stalls. Yep. Not probably very memorable films, sadly. <laughs> Two million dollars worth of cake stall. It's a lot of cake stall. I have a work story that involves a teammate proposing running a cake store for a particular neglected um, s- section of technology. But uh, I'm on holiday right now, so I don't have to think about it. Coffee machine? Um... Um, network probing equipment. Oh. That was <laughs> way off. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm intrigued by the possibility of there being a cozy catastrophe world spaced hole in the RPG market. Though actually I may just have received it and that kind of makes a, a segue out to um, my uh, one of my other ideas. Uh, I see what you did there. Not yet yet. Um, oh, I fi- finally got the, my, my physical copy of Kids on Bikes which took quite a time but okay. they arrived so they, they, they kept trying. Thanks to Andreas um, who was apparently... Uh, given the task of getting everyone's books to not the US, 
and may have had a, a, a fun time with that. Yeah. And I've only had a very limited chance to read it. But one of the things I thought of was, uh, I don't know if I'm getting the name right. You remember what the, the community slash police organized all-age dances were called back in the day? Blue light discos was blue, the term. Blue light discos, yes. Blue light discos. Yes. And to, determine, to distinguish them um, nice and clearly from the more... Roxanne put on the red light um, yes, tinged yes. venues, which were distinctly not all ages. Yeah, they were generally school halls and so forth, and you know there would be some nominal police presence and approval of 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 teachers and other worthies there. And to be fair, I I didn't get out much more than I do now. Certainly not to dancing. Um, but the idea of having it. Having a kids and bike scenario based on the totally suspicious, never before happened uh, blue light disco. I guess they got started to be called blue light raves at some point, which is even less appropriate sounding. But um, the idea that you know the people are being encouraged to go to these this this um, this event. Well, it'll be wholesome, and they'll get to meet people. Yes, yes. Which is, of course, the the kids in question are convinced that there's something up which they must investigate but also is it is this important enough to go to a thing and maybe ick talk talk to someone you sort of kind of like and that seems like a fertile ground for um a, a kids on bikes awkwardness adventure and possible mind control i i think you know nice parental mind control would probably be uh, or aliens whatever suits um yeah so the sinister secret about the blue light discos and the uh, the people who totally don't want to be there, except there might be monsters. Mmm. <laughs> this is a segue from your segue. Okay. And also brings in a film that I've seen the trailers for. But um, I was just sort of jumping back to the utterly non-mind control or alien or whatever thing, but the idea of Hawley's Disco Inferno holding a blue light rave in this enormous venue, and they've gone and they've, they've, they've shut away the booze, they're not serving booze, it's an entirely above-board and, and legitimate blue light disco, which also has the advantage of being almost a, a fantastic way of just laundering a bunch of cash, and also thumbing your nose at the police who are sniffing around. Um... And so the idea of the, the kids on bikes sort of adventure where they are, for whatever reason, a bit suspicious about this, they are investigating, they discover the whole mafia aspect of things, and this is where we jump sideways to um, to a, a reference to a film trailer, because there's a movie coming out, The Kid Who Would Be King. I have seen billboards. Indeed. Um, I have seen the trailers, because they're playing them a lot here. Um, Arthur plays well in, in uh, England. Who knew? School kid draws the sword from the stone, which in this case I think is a chunk of concrete uh, at a building a building demolition site. Merlin shows up. Morgana is going to attack in a few days' time. He needs to raise an army. And you get this, this response from the kid of, that's ridiculous. I'm 12. What I found myself wondering when watching that was... I couldn't actually think of any property, media property, where you've got the circumstance where you've got kids who are interfering in the affairs of grown-ups, and the 
grown-ups' reaction when they see the, um, okay, who is, who is opposing me? It is these children. I know of lots of things where it's like, eh, just take them away and kill them. I couldn't actually think of anything where it's sort of a, no, we may be bad guys, we don't kill children, we do not fight children, because they are children. Just go away. That could be a fun one for this, that you've got the kids on bikes, they've found out about the mafia, mafia involvement in this, um, this disco, and it's not even a, okay, we're going to let you go because nobody believes you, uh, will believe you, it's, we're going to let you go because while we are bastards, we are not that sort of bastard. Yeah, or, or you're too young to know what embezzlement is, or, hey, mm. they, they could even be using the kids to do the, the money laundering. It's like, all right, Here's your phony $100 bills. Go up to the bar and buy expensive drinks. <laughs> it's like, no one notices the blue light rave has, has a turnover of se- several tens of thousands of dollars in beverages. <laughs> yeah, it was just something, something that occurred to me. that This was actually a circumstance where you could do that, and it would be quite a, fun, quite a fun twist from a GM's point of view to put the players in the circumstance where they are expecting, okay, our characters are going to be chucked into the lake with cement blocks tied to our feet by these mobsters, and the reaction of the mob is just, no. Just, no. That would be an interesting thing. So, again, mm. if we have the, 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 the cosy calamity world, that could be an angle to get mm. And, yeah, that's certainly something that if, you're, if you're playing with something like Kids on Bikes, which is entirely about miners having shenanigans and so forth. And, you know, harking back to a previous thing is like Goonies, you know, the the bit with the Fratellis, I think Fratellis threaten one of the kids with a, putting their hand in a blender. It's like... Mm. like there's a certain frisson there. I know kids are ghoulish or little thugs, largely, and you know they 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 find that entertaining. But the idea that yeah, that you're you're the bad guys like, what are they going to do? Literally, <laughs> they tell someone. There by the time they they they, they convince anyone to come and look, the the evidence will be gone. Yeah, we already know that the police suspect us of being monsters. This is because we are monsters. <laughs> yes, yes <laughs> this is what we do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. They, they, they pose no threat to us. In fact, they might get, you know, there's, there's a small chance they might get injured by accident because we're busy doing mobster stuff <laughs> and moving things around. Yeah, it's like, please, get out of the way. Yeah, you don't want us to discover the truth. We don't care if you discover that you've already discovered most of it. We just don't want you to get crushed by one of these enormous crates full of cocaine that <laughs> we are moving around. It is a safety hazard. At least wear a hard hat. Yes, indeed. <laughs> This 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 is this is not a mobster problem. This is an osh problem. Please, please go away. Yeah, there are many laws that we do not respect, but health and safety is not on that list. <laughs> Interesting. These it very is... weird mobsters with spitballing, but I do like their approach. <laughs> yeah, I think the the only problem is that your your generic role playing game player would use that to their hideous advantage, and the GM would want to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> not not just the mobsters, but the team went, <laughs> I suspect it, you you would need a game, you would you would need a game where social pressure can be applied. If people are playing, you're like, yes, you're you're eight. This person is literally twice your height. Mm. <laughs> they they can intimidate you. That's not a question. <laughs> yeah. It's like ah, right. We've got to do this different. Yeah, they, I, they can in fact get you out of the room by simply picking you up and walking, and there is nothing you can do about it. Yep. Hmm. They're, they're, the, yeah. The, th- the only thing that is stopping you, them from taking you back to your parents, tucked under one arm, is the amount of time it will take. 
Oh, e- even better if the, the mobsters actually know their folk. And oh, yeah. they're, 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 legitimate, they're legitimate businessmen side yeah. is good enough that, you know, the, 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 the police suspect something. They do not know the, the truth and full extent of it. But the, the, the thing that sort of stops them openly suspecting them is that they're otherwise upstanding as a community. Mm. So yeah, that could be that could be an interesting, an interesting twist. It's like, oh, like if you start claiming that the, the, this this respected um, citizen and friend of the family is a gangster, and you have not got cast iron evidence, you are in deep trouble. Yeah, that's that is quite a fun setup. Mm, it could be interesting. I can see some some consideration needs to be made, but yeah, the idea of maybe playing a game like Kids on Bikes and so forth without the without the so the say the deadliness of a straight up Stranger Things. Mm. Or, you know, <laughs> the the number of times the kids apparently nearly died in the Goonies was quite a lot, I think. But oh, yeah. not not just the uh, not just the uh, bank robbers, there were numerous um, Significant number of death traps involved. Yeah, there, there was Grimtooth shit, really. It was quite, quite, yeah. quite alarming. So, yeah, it's interesting. Actually, pulling it back to it was something more like um, the ba- the wacky Australian Secret Valley thing. Oh, where, yeah. Yeah, that keeps coming back. I don't know if it's, you could find that anymore, except for, like, really gritty um, trailer, uh, sort of, like, opening sequences and so forth. But, yeah. Mm. There was a fair amount of violence in it, but it wasn't generally of the stink bomb variety. <laughs> yeah, I, I seem to remember the, the, the bad guys who are also kids mm. in a microlite running into helium balloons with bags of manure underneath. Yeah, that's sort of wacky hijinks. Yeah, depend, yeah, it depends what your um, your idea is. For a question for kids on bikes, because while, while I have seen the um, actually quite impressive sort of promotional display they had at Gen Con, I've not played the game... Mm. Is is there a baseline assumption of aliens or weird shit or supernatural shit in the game, or...? I could go look. Oh, it's, it was just idle, idle curiosity. I'd not spotted... Yeah, I can't, I can't say for sure. Fair enough. I, I, yeah, there are definitely, there are definitely, that is a possibility. I don't know if there is. I don't know if that, it means that it has to be in there. I was just thinking that you, if you had a, if you were using a kids on bikes... Or using the kids on bike setup, and you wanted to do an extended game, you could have a lot of fun with episode one or episodes one being this nightclub thing where they just can't convince anybody that the members of the legitimate business businessmen's society might actually not be that legitimate. You could do the whole no, we do not kill kids. <laughs> then when the weirdness happens, you can have the fun circumstance that the police don't believe the kids, the adults don't believe the kids, the mobsters on the other hand will actually mm. hear them out. Yep. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they've, they've foiled the, 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 their particular plan. They've not disestablished the entire outfit. No. Mm. No, yeah, the, 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 the mob reaction of just kind of a, well, that's cost us a bit. Eh, we're kind of annoyed by these kids. Eh. On the but, other hand, if we couldn't defeat a bunch of kids, eh. <laughs> <laughs> You've got muxy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. They're, they're slightly impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, well played, kids. Well played. <laughs> It's a, it's a particular take on the universe. Mm. So, yeah, I think we've done horrible things to Ketamono's idea there. Yeah, yeah, that's a interesting. Yep, and it, it blended into my, my second of three ideas, so... All right. That pretty well. So I guess the question is, what is your, your third of, of three ideas? Another straight-up time slip. And nothing will ever be the same. 
Richard III in the 70s basically moved was the... was not expecting uh, that. <laughs> Ian McKellen, um, Richard III movie set in the 19, sort of late 1930s, 1940s with a sort of fascist overtone, um, which is a bloody good adaption, I would, would fully recommend. The, the, the reuse of a horse, a horse, a kingdom for all, my kingdom for a horse, while he's like he's stuck in a damaged jeep, mm. which can't get out of a out of a rut or something or a shell hole or something. Nice, nice, nice play. So, yeah, that would. But the and having a look at it, and this 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 requires much deeper inspection into history. But Nixon and Richard III, no shock, have been put side by side by you know thinkers and writers and, and folks going hey and down to the thing that the the very basic level is that cockney rhyming slang which oh, no. third turd and kinky friedman complaining about the cat leaving nixons in his slippers <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> history has has given both of these tricky dickies particular um assignment so yeah. <laughs> you would be wrong not to take advantage of it. Oh yes, oh yes. There's there's a lot there's a lot to be mined there, but the idea of um Yeah. The the only other thing that spun off from that is if you know, you were having like rival nightclubs and you know the idea of making the Battle of Bosworth Field onto the Battle of Bosworth Street or something like that. And the conflicts between these two great houses <laughs> would be mm. a um, It'd be a fun idea. That would involve taking more time to deconstruct all of the, the Shakespearean tropes and turn to uh, like 70s nightclub ideas. Yep. And I, I'm still very much mulling over the, 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 the Nixon bit of things. But yeah. Because that is... It is... It is not, and yet it is, the sort of thing that I could associate with that character saying. And I say that character because I know very little about the actual um, President Nixon, but by God, do people playing him crop up a lot in um, in other media that I have consumed. Yes, yes. The, he's become... He became his own caricature, or his caricature became his his public persona. Mm. And, you know, like the, the, the fact that he turns up in Futurama... And Doctor and, Who. And, and Doctor Who, yeah? He cropped up in Doctor Who. Wow. Including a quite hilarious bit where he, at, at the end of of of, of the, the the plot arc in which he is involved, asking the Doctor of sort of tell me, Doctor, will I be remembered? And oh, Dicky, they are never going to forget you. <laughs> <laughs> was that a new, a new Who? That was a that was a, a, that was a new Who. That was a um, Matt Tennant? Smith. That's a, well, yeah. Ah, oh, right, right. That crazy bit yeah. where they kept they kept going to America because they had budget now. Yes. Right. Very much that. Woohoo! We got a travelling budget. Yeah. <laughs> um, no more cardboard sets for us. We're, listen, we're going to the real Monument Valley. <laughs> yeah. Wait, this is made of cardboard as well. What the hell? Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, this is Hollywood's greatest secret. <laughs> Everything's actually in California. Yes. yes. <laughs> so where was I going with that? General musings about general musings about about Nixon. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how exactly you turn it into... Well, I can see how you turn it into a game. I can't see how you'd necessarily turn it into a fun game because you could start linking... You, yeah, you could start linking in the whole deliberate linking of drug, 
drug crime with black rights movements in the US in the public mind to discredit them, etc. There's some yeah. rich and horrible, ho- horrible territory there. For a slightly nicer touch on it, and given the era it would probably work, something like a Funkadelic Frankenstein on the mean streets of Monster Town for quags, where you've got the embattled discotheques and other places of funkiness, as it were, uh, coming under relentless assault from uh, anti-monster politicians. Hmm. I mean, to a certain extent, that's many black exploitation films, but that's kind of what Funky Frankenstein is about anyway. Hmm. Yeah. And that was just where my mind went when Nixon came up. Yeah. yeah. That was the, definitely the, the, the tenor of the time. The, mm. Nixon seems to be a, a complex character in his own right, so you'd be, you'd be fairly much a... Um, Mm. As I understand that he, um, well, I read somewhere that he uh, legalized the use of peyote for uh, Native American um, religious ceremonies. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like, and he he did finally end the Vietnam War, which was you know not the not the worst thing he could have done. Yeah, and then there was and and as um, yeah, Arlo Guthrie put it, he was he was definitely a pioneer of the home recording industry. <laughs> Actually, the I think it was the setup that had been put in was actually the recording setup in the the White House had actually been done for the, one of the previous um, presidents, and I don't know how apart from this, I got this off the Tankerite podcast, and they kind of like starting their own myths, especially about Walt Disney. But apparently okay. Nixon wasn't as technologically savvy. I think the previous um, president had been in the army and dealt with, you know, recording, you know, radios and so forth. He was relatively, relatively, relatively savvy about such things. So he got them to switch it over to voice-activated recording. And because no one had to turn it on or off, they forgot they were there. And consequently, all of the um, bits where they sabotage political opponents and so forth got recorded and Awkward. It, it, it all got very uh watergatey uh, yeah. yes <laughs> <sighs> yeah very watergate um yeah okay. all right so do we have anything else um we've got a quick note from burning who's checking back in after a bit of an absence he, he on the for the boot forums he comments that <laughs> that the description of the Zai effect, or Z effect, from DeFarben had him ranting at the story about um, a made-up theory, which is fair, there's a lot of theories that get tested and then discarded, that is how science moves forward. But yes, he apparently got quite excited about that. And uh, and about the bad, bad physics. <laughs> bad physics. Naughty physics. <laughs> but yes, the... Uh... Yeah, the, the, the story... Basically has the entire universe shrinking. The speed of light, however, remains the same. And then eventually it starts to become really noticeable when the universe becomes so small that there are wavelengths of light that just can't exist anymore. Oh, right. So the, so the, the matter in the universe is shrinking, but the energy isn't? How about we just stop asking awkward questions? Because yeah. <laughs> it was it was years ago yeah. that I read it, but that was that was the gist of it that the matter in the universe is shrinking, but that the speed of light remains a constant, and so the one of the te- I think the in the early parts of the story somebody is trying to test. Okay, is this actually happening? Decides well, we know the speed of light is a constant. Let's go and look at um, see if there's any time time difference between when I think a particular conjunction of Jupiter's moons is predicted and when it. Um, 
when we know we we see it finds out that the universe has shrunk enough that light is actually making that jump in in very little time at all and then start right, right. to notice that longer wavelengths just aren't there anymore detectors aren't picking them up Right, I hadn't, I hadn't taken it from that angle. I thought not the scale of the universe was shrinking, but the volume, which would be quite irrelevant because everything would be a solid ball of matter um, at that point. Yeah. If you know you were talking about wavelengths of light that aren't, you know, are detectable without having a planet-sized array. Mm. Yeah, but if the the scale of the universe is shrinking relative to the wavelengths of light, which is staying constant, yeah, that's weird on lots of levels. It was weird. I think the reason it came up for Daifarben, the colours, was purely because that's when it becomes really noticeable to everybody that suddenly the colour red just doesn't show up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think something else would happen first if the matter that constituted the universe was changing in scale relative to the energy. I think something else would happen long before that. Probably. Yes. And burning the wavelengths, yeah. Burning's <laughs> comment was um, uh, that seeing on Wikipedia that it's based on an entirely made-up theory briefly modifi- mollifies them until they saw that the guy who wrote it was an astronomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. It was quite a fun one, but yeah. I-, I wish I could remember the name of the book. It was some sort of hyperspace that was for, for, for ship travel, but light moved very slowly in the aforementioned hyperspace to the extent that with a bit of a sprint you could travel faster than your own image because I do remember something with a guy who's a purser on a cruise ship and there's kids running around which is actively dangerous because if they're running fast enough you will not see them coming and basically catches up to them because he's running sufficiently quickly that when they look behind he doesn't look as close as he is because the light hasn't got there yet so it's much more easily explained by what it was going on. puts a puts a lag into the human nervous system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm pretty confident relativity doesn't work like that. Uh, not that we've noticed. Yeah, yeah. Um... You'd probably see Doppler effects on the light first. The way you know, if you if your your glasses are at a slight angle, you see like red and blue halos around things. So, refractive mm. index stuff. I cannot remember what that book was, but... Yeah, yeah, long before people become invisible or appear to be warping through space. I've read a lot of truly terrible science fiction. Yeah. Burning mentions this is not... This is what he doesn't like most hard science fiction. I like I like the, the science fiction to be well explained and make sense in terms of the story. Mm. Or I like it to be science. You'll set it for internally consistent if it can't abs- be accurate. Absolutely, absolutely. A, a nice, a nice pleasing symmetry to it, and make it makes sense in terms of the the rest of the uh, the tale. I'm not too concerned about whether it um, works feasibly. And sometimes when you you know it does, it does result in moments where you put down the and go, "Man, what?" <laughs> but you know, the rest of the time's fine. Yeah. Cool. Alrighty. Yes, I'm almost done. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing you out. Do you have to think? <laughs> Bloody creature! Yes, Should we give I know. you a moment to let the, the cat out? Or no, she just came in. All right. You may have heard the clonking of the cat door earlier. But yes, when I closed the doors earlier, she was like coming up to the door, going, "Yes, yes, I'm going to go into the. Why are you closing the door? I'm right here." It's like, "Yeah, <laughs> you're right here." <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Being loud. Go around. <laughs> I don't think you understand how this works, at least as far as the cat is concerned. Yeah, yeah. That, that's All, All right. So, so that that feels like an episode. We've had some, it some does. great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who sent in ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, especially to those of you who blessed our show with meaning by sending in ideas that were um, substantially better than what we came up with. Hurrah! <laughs> which is basically everyone. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Indeed, Incidentally, indeed. If, if if anybody out there is attending Gen Con 2019, um, I would like to wish you, if I've done the, the numbers correctly, the very best of luck in the upcoming bare-knuckle free-for-all that is attempting to get a hotel uh, hotel room. Uh, may the odds be ever in your favour in the hotel lottery? Indeed. It, I may have seen stuff somewhere on the internet that's already over, and, you know, since this is going to be two weeks away, good luck. I hope it's not already over, because I need to get mine. I saw something on the, the Mystic Shores of Miwi, where we may or may not have a group by the time this goes up. Pending negotiations with my uh, co-host. I mean, I think it's a good idea. I know very little about it, so I, I defer to your superior judgment on social networks and and the youth of today. Oh, crap, we're doomed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but we'll see what we can do. Kind of already friends with half of our known user uh, listener base on me. We already um, by accident, so uh, should be an easy an easy ask. All right. Yeah. So, we'll see how that goes. We'll post up links if we uh, we get stuff done. And um, we might even see you online, being social on the media. Because that's the thing that we do. No, we don't. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, it's the next episode. 119 comes to us via Ketamono, but not <laughs> from Ketamono. He's sock puppeting his own show ideas. This is incredible. Or someone Indeed. else has been someone else has been coming up with them all along. I don't know which is more scandalous. I think it's both simultaneously. Ah, right. Schrodinger's Ketamono. Indeed. <laughs> and the idea is home improvement slash ghost busting TV show. You know, that would have seemed horrible and impossible when we started this series. But over the years, now it seems way more wholesome and, like, normal. What's happening? I'm scared. Do you mean what's happening to our mental states or what's happening to the state of broadcast television? Uh, Yes. Fair enough. (laughs) So we'll see you next time for the latest TV reality show hit, Ghost Flippers. Undead Dolphin, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, it does now. <laughs> God, it made it weird. Uh, the ghostly squonking of the undead dolphin. It sounds like a post-rock album. <laughs> and on that note, good night, everybody. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.